Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Genesis chapter 27, if you'll remain standing just a few more moments. Verse 33, then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who, where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came and I have blessed him and indeed he shall be blessed. When he saw, heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me also. Oh, my father. His father responded, your brother came with the seed and he has taken away your blessing. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's dive into this family that put the funk in dysfunctional. Jacob and Esau were like the worst sibling rivalry in the history of earth. They were, they were fighting in the womb. They were twins. How many of you, are there any twins or families of twins here? Got a, that's right, got a few. These twins were causing so much trouble. They got into a fight. They were wrestling in the womb. Now, I remember when Josiah and Jonathan were in the womb. I can remember those, those, those months and there would be, a, especially, especially Josiah, it seemed, he could kick. He would just kick right there in the middle of the night, and then Mia would kick me, and the whole family would be blessed. <laughs> but you could, just, you, could, you could just see the baby moving around in there. Well, this woman was so vexed by this, she had to go for prayer. These babies were cage fighting in the womb. And the prophecy was there is a wrestling inside of you because these children will wrestle one with another. They were fighting for dominance, even in the womb. And when, when Esau was born first, when he, when he came out, he was super ugly. I mean, read the word. The Bible says he was just, he was red like he was overcooked. And he was covered in hair like a rug. That's ugly. And I know all children are supposed to be beautiful, but I pastored long enough to tell you this. Sometimes you just have to pray. <laughs> Esau came out, and, and the Bible says that Jacob had hold of his heel so that he was named heel catcher. He was fighting to be the firstborn. The Bible also says that Esau was out hunting wild game, came back starving. And in the Bible, it meant that literally, not the way you and I use it after service is over. And so when he came back, Jacob was cooking lentil soup. And he said, give me some of this lest I die. He said, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, what do I care? Nobody's watching. 
There's no witness except God. And sold his birthright. And then Jacob conspired with his mother to deceive the father and get the blessing. Had to cook wild game and then put the skin of a goat, the hide of a goat hair on his arms so that when his father tried to see who it was, he would touch the hide of the goat and rub the hair on the goat skin. That's nasty. I mean, how hairy do you have to be? Jacob constantly fighting for the blessing, coveting the blessing. Even went to his relative's house. Worked seven years to get his bride. Took her home that night and they had to put a veil on her. Woke up the next day, wrong woman. It was the ugly one. Have you guys not read this story? Had to work seven more years to pay off the debt to get the pretty one that he wanted. And then she couldn't have babies, so she got in a fight with her rival. That's why you shouldn't believe in polygamy. No man can serve two masters. No way. So you have this, this constant striving, and when, when he finally leaves that house, he's going back to his homeland, he's terrified, and, and he there is confronted by the presence of God in a place that he named Peniel where I saw God face to face and I didn't die but he held on to God and he said I will not let you go unless you bless me I may not have a lot of accolade for Jacob but one thing I can say is he valued the blessing And I want to build a church, I want to build a Pentecostal faith where we get back to the roots of valuing the presence of the Holy Ghost. I'm afraid that we've drifted too far away from desiring the presence of the Lord. Where we recklessly toss aside our righteousness and our standing in the community. We preach and praise on Sunday and we curse God on Tuesday and we act like there is no price to pay. But I'd rather have Jesus. A place where the blessing of God is a a lifetime pursuit. What were they chasing? They were chasing the blessing of Abraham. It was passed down from generation to generation. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Your children will be like the sand of the sea and the stars in the sky. I'm going to bless you and through through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And God began to prosper and to bless everybody that was connected with Abraham. I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. Anybody that tied to Abraham, Lot, his nephew was blessed by God. He was so blessed that their flocks became an encumbering nuisance to the landscape and they had to talk about separating and and Lot went to Abraham and they worked out a deal and Abraham said, separate yourself from me. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And Sodom 
And the well-watered plains caught the attention of Lot. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Until he was raped by his own daughters and gave birth to the Moabites and the Ammonites. Separated from the blessing of God. Lost everything he had in pursuit of hanging on to the blessing. Because he lacked the courage to say what his great-great-granddaughter said. His great-great-granddaughter received the same command from a child of Abraham. Separate yourself from me. Get away from me. I can't be a blessing to you. I don't have money. I don't have prestige. I don't have what you're looking for. But Ruth said to Naomi, no. Where you go, I go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I don't need money. I don't need education. I don't need connection. What I need is the favor of God in my life. What terrifies me about this story is Jacob said to his son, I only have one blessing. And can I tell you there's only one blessing in the Bible and it descends all the way from Abraham. It's translated throughout the Old Testament manifest in the life of Christ. And I can be a witness when I stood at the wailing wall in Jerusalem. There's still power in the promise that God gave Abraham. When I was in the Tel Dan National Forest, they have the oldest standing gate in the whole world. I walked up to that gate and I could feel a presence about that place. Reading the plaque, I realized that it was a gate through which Abraham and Sarah had actually walked. God has still blessed his people, but I have news for Abraham. He now has an adopted brother. He now has an adopted sister. For the Bible says to as many as be in Christ, we are new creations. Old things have passed away. We're not only heirs of God. We are now joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the same favor that was on Abraham has been passed down to us. There's only one blessing. You can't be saved by Muhammad's teaching. You can't read the Quran and find the truth that you're looking for. The Hindu gods will lead you to hell. Satanism may cause you to have carnality for a season, but it will steal your soul. There is no God in this world, but there there's only one name under heaven whereby men can be saved and that's at the name of Jesus and at that name Jesus every knee shall bow every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord there's only one blessing you can't get it another way you can't walk in the blessings of the family of God if you're not connected to the family of God your dilemma is you want the favor of God in your life, but you don't want to bless anybody else to get it. You don't receive the favor of God by living a dishonorable life like Esau. You don't get the favor of God because you tear down those that have been placed in your life. Do you realize when God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life? And too many times you don't want to take that blessing because it came from a child. Maybe you were entertaining an angel unaware. Maybe it was through a family member. 
But I promise you the problem with modern America is we have created a culture of dishonor. We've created a culture of unthankful and unholy hearts and minds that resist gratitude. And I believe that there's a way that God wants to bless your life. But there's only one blessing. I only have one blessing. I don't think we all can just covet one another's blessing. I can't, I can't be what my wife is. My wife has a blessing that she gives. And I can't do what she does. When Pastor Todd gets on stage and he leads us in worship. And he's, he's giving his blessing. He's not giving my blessing. He's giving his blessing. He only has one. God has anointed him to lead worship. So he works and he writes and he plays and he sings and he gets up here and he asks you to stand. He asks you to lift your voices. And if you say, I don't like that blessing, I don't want that blessing, I'm, I'm not grateful for that blessing. Well, you don't get the blessing that comes from me. Because you don't get word based on criticism and critique. You have to enter his gates with thanksgiving and you have to enter his courts with praise. You have to accept the blessing that's next before you can move to the future promise of God. You can't say, I don't like that blessing. And you can't meet us in the parking lot and say, you know what, I didn't like your songs, didn't like that sermon. Do you have anything else? No. That's it. That blessing is over. There's only one. You were late. You didn't get it. And even when you showed up, you weren't grateful. I remember when I first entered a speech contest, never having spoken publicly. And I was competing at high levels and we pulled in with our car. Does anybody remember the car you rode in with your parents? that they had before you moved out. My mother now has a beautiful Cadillac. Leather interior. Low mileage. When I was growing up, Ford, LTD, green. Baby blue... Oldsmobile was one of our... We used to ride in a Monza. Not a Mazda. Monza. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Anybody remember that car? Yeah. A few more broke people from back then. Absolutely. Monza was made over by all the scrap parts. Nobody knows what company it belonged to because it was... It was like Johnny Cash's song, one piece at a time. <laughs> Man, we, we were growing up, you didn't even have to wear a seatbelt. You know, now children, they get treated like astronauts. You strap those seats in there. You, you pull on that, you tug this. I mean, that child is all bundled in there. When we were growing up, if you ran out of seats, you got that little seat that was in the back glass. <laughs> Laying back there, getting a suntan. Somebody remember those days. 
They're laid down in the floorboard. Remember when you got, I got baptized, but I didn't have my, my clothes with me, so I just laid down in the floorboard underneath the heater and got my little sauna going on while I was down there. That's how, when I was growing up, that's we, we were driving that stuff. Then when I pulled into that speech contest, there's all these BMWs, nice vehicles, beautiful cars, people coming in from their speech classes, having their techniques, their trained elocution. I sit down beside mom and dad. Dad reaches over, puts his hand on my shoulder. And he says, I, I don't have the money to buy all those classes. And I don't have the education to tell you what you need to know. But I'm going to ask God to put his anointing on your life. And rather than dishonor my dad because he didn't have his money. And dishonor my dad because he didn't have his education. I accepted the blessing that came from my father. So that when I stand in front of this church, I don't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but by power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. You don't get where you want to be until you're thankful for where you are. You don't get the next blessing until you receive the blessing that's right in front of you. Hallelujah. You have to take the honor of that blessing because there's only one. You can't be unthankful in the honor of my father's blessings took me to those classes. It put me in professional relationships. It opened the door for the next steps in my life. But I did not dishonor my church. And I did not dishonor my family. Because dishonor becomes disobedience. And it will disengage you from the blessings of God. But when you have an attitude of gratitude, when you have the power of God, the Bible says that, that Jacob trembled. He was terrified. Esau screamed aloud. No, Isaac. He screamed aloud to his father Isaac, not Jacob. Jacob's the one that stole everything. But Isaac, he was trembling. He was literally afraid. And, and Esau was screaming out loud because they recognized what had been lost. But I'm afraid that there are so many people in the modern church you don't know what you're saying no to. You don't know what life God has for you if you would simply submit to his authority and let him bless you. Oh, the blessings of God are better than silver and gold. The blessings of God are immutable. They cannot be changed when God's favor is on your life. Even if like when they tried to curse the children of Abraham in the wilderness and they hired that witch Balaam to come over there and curse them and he blessed them three times. And the king said, did I not pay you to curse them? And he said, I can't help it. What God has blessed cannot be changed. There's nothing you can do about the favor of God. There's no iniquity. There's 
no sin and the shout of a king is among them. God's hand will be on them and there's nothing the world can do about it. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Greater is he that is in you than he that is of the world. You've been chasing education. You've been chasing your friends. You've been chasing a reputation. It's high time that the church of God lift up your voice and say, I will not let you go until you I want the favor of God. I want the blessings of God. I want the presence of God. You can seek everything in this world. But unless you have Jesus, you are bankrupt and you have nothing. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. The power of God is from everlasting to everlasting. Is there somebody here that can give me a witness that he's worth it? I don't want to lose what Lot should have said to Abraham is no 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 I'll I'll separate from my stuff if my stuff is the problem with my relationship then I'll let my cows go but I'm not going to let you go because I know where the source comes from And I'm afraid that far too often we would rather have the blessings of God than the blessing giver of God. We'd rather have what can be brought about by prosperity rather than the one that gives prosperity. Not me. I'd rather have my dad. I'd rather stand here and honor Ed Davenport who I miss than try and pretend like I have every answer for you. I'd rather honor the elders of her church and honor the church of God than spend my life trying to steal honor for myself. I'd rather be connected to greatness than constantly be struggling to be known as great. And if you say to yourself, maybe this is your first Sunday, maybe this is a visit day for you, you're thinking to yourself, how does this pastor get away with this? I mean, this guy, how can he say all of this? How does he get all this confidence? Because everybody here has felt that honor come from me. There's not a disrespect in this house. There's a unity amongst the staff. You live amongst us long enough, you're going to see a power source in this church because we're in one mind and one accord. And the people in this church reciprocate that. When I stand on this stage and I say, stretch your hands toward me, and they start praying for me, there's power in that. They're going to pray for me while I'm in Ukraine. They pray for me while I preach. They ask God to let his word flow through me. There's an anointing on this house because we value the presence of God. We don't honor each other because of each other. We honor each other because we are children of God, and that deserves respect, and it deserves honor. Hallelujah. I think too many times we live our lives in ingratitude, so we live our lives in fear and panic and and frustration when we ought to be getting excited and happy. And no time is more important to talk about that than right now because I believe God is in the business right now as we speak in real time answering a prayer that we've asked for years, and I don't think that we're grateful. COVID has been plaguing the world for years since 
Late 2019, we've been dealing with this. And we have asked God to make it go away. I'm going to make a hopeful statement to you that I believe is true. What happened in South Africa was a gift from God. A new variant was born. They call it Omicron. Why? I don't know. They named it after a transformer. <laughs> the Omicron went through South Africa faster than any variant of this COVID since the dawn of the pandemic. South Africa started saying over and over something that was rejected by the mainstream media. And that is the symptoms are mild and nobody is dying from Omicron. As a matter of fact, you can go home, do all the research that you want to do. In South Africa, they are boasting that of the Omicron variant, nobody died in South Africa. Then it spread like wildfire all over the world. Faster than anything we could imagine. Started shutting down football games, which is a tragedy, by the way. If we have one more game to go. Spread all through the country. Hundreds of thousands of people have gotten the Omicron variant in the United States. What you're not hearing is the number one statistic that I researched this morning, again, is that of the Omicron variant, nobody has died. And in conversation with Dr. Fauci, on one of the major news networks, they asked him about this Omicron becoming, listen to me, the dominant variant. In virology, that means something. To you and I, it means absolutely nothing. I don't know what that means. It just means that viruses have a way of creating a variant that becomes the killer of the other variants. It just takes over the way that particular pandemic spreads and, and what happens afterwards. There is a strong possibility that the Omicron variant is becoming the dominant variant of COVID. And in the words of Dr. Fauci, that would be a good outcome. Okay. There was a guy looking for a parking place when he's looking for a job. Had a job interview, this beautiful building. He pulls into the parking lot to get his job interview. Couldn't find a parking space. Whole parking lot was full. He's going to be late for his interview, not get the job. He needed the job, needed the money. God, please give me a parking space. I need a parking space. I'm trying to get a job here, and I can't get on time, please. And a, and a car backed out of a space right there in front of the whole building. And he backed out, and he's like, hey, pulls in there. And as he was pulling in, he says, never mind, God, I found one.
if a variant that doesn't kill becomes the dominant variant, then the pandemic is over. It may very well be that you and I are witnessing in real time God providing a miracle in South Africa that circumnavigates the globe and shuts down the fearful response to what has been a deadly virus. God could be right now answering our prayers, but we're not going to get a blessing if we don't say thank you, Jesus, right now. Unless we praise God in the beginning, we'll get trampled in the gate when the blessing comes. Pastor, what makes you so sure that God is going to answer the prayers and get rid of this virus? Because the Antichrist cannot take over until I'm gone. Until the church is raptured, the Antichrist will not rule this earth. The Bible says that the Spirit of God rests with authority on the body of Christ. The Antichrist cannot rise to power until the Lamb that was slain opens the seals in Revelation. He opens those seals while the church surrounds him singing, I am redeemed by, I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Those seals will not be broken until the dead in Christ rise first and those that are alive and remain are called up to meet him in the air. I believe that the resurrection of the saints has not happened but it is on the horizon but until then the spirit of God is on me and he has anointed me to preach and until the gospel penetrates every corner of this world God's church will be the authority of his power on earth and the Bible says in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see and your old men will dream God will use the church. We will preach the gospel. We will walk with authority. We will walk with power. And we will not be defeated. God will not allow his church to suffer the penalty of the curse of the unrighteous and the unredeemed. There are too many people that are saying, you know what, pastor? I think it's going to get worse and worse. I bind that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. COVID is not God. Russia is not God. The economy is not God. There is no name under heaven whereby men can be saved and that's the name of Jesus. He's still alive. His power still on the throne. His blessings are from everlasting to everlasting. Hallelujah. I believe that 2022 can be a year of deliverance. What Satan meant for evil, God means for good. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God's going to raise up a standard against him. I feel the winds of revival starting to blow, and I sense that the former and the latter rain are about to be poured out. I sense the Holy Ghost is about to invade the church with vigor, power, and authority. We've tried every answer but the Holy Ghost. We've listened to every doctor but the Holy Ghost. And I believe that God is about to speak. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, look, I'm trying to be dignified. I'm going live right now. And 
You know, I'm supposed to look intelligent. There's a lot of visitors here today. The Omicron's taking out most of our crowd. They're all at home on vacation. Five days, that's all you get. I, I want you to understand something. I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. I feel like God is saying, listen to me, you don't realize what I'm moving. You don't realize what I'm doing. You've been reading the wrong news. You need to read my New Testament and realize that my power has not diminished and my authority has not gone away. I believe with all of my heart that there's going to be a movement in 2022, the likes of which we haven't witnessed since Acts chapter 2. I believe there's going to be a powerful revival that will sweep this world. God's already using me. I know he's already using you. I believe it's time to get ready for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The winds of this pandemic are all about to blow out. The Omicron is about to be named Omegon. I believe in the name of Jesus that there's going to be a spirit of revival invade this planet. In the name of Jesus, resist fear, embrace faith, and let God be true and every man a liar. I unleash you right now to be the people of of God. I call on you to hear my voice and walk under the authority of God. Storm the gates of hell this year and be what God has called you to be. Hallelujah. You stand with me all over the house. I, I have just really pushed the gas pedal. Now if you come back next week, just know I'm not normally like this. We normally are <laughs> You guys have messed me up. This is my. See, I've already preached two times. This is my third sermon today, and it gets worse every time I preach it. I got in that drive-in. All my omicrons were out there in the, out there in the drive-in, laying on those horns like they just stole that car. Especially when I started talking about all that ugly business, ugly children, whatever that. They, pointing at each other. Oh, sweet Jesus. Now listen, I only have one blessing. I don't have more than one blessing. I pastor a church. I actually have toyed around with multiple ideas. For a long time, I wanted to be an attorney. I'd love that job. Every time Matt Sharp comes home, I'm like, oh, if I could just go argue with Congress one time in my life. I meet politicians that I respect. I've thought about politics. I'm a preacher. It's all I do. It's my job. It's my thing. But I have some authority here. You see, if you're Pentecostal, you get superpowers. <laughs> That's true. We, got, we have like extra stuff. Josiah was witnessing, talking with one of his friends, and, and they said, how do you witness? What do you say? How do you go about being a good witness? How does, how does your dad talk about it? And he said, you know, truthfully, dad doesn't really say anything. They just come up and start talking to him. He'll just kind of like... Something will happen. And people just start 
crying or asking for prayer. Happens all the time. We went to Provino's not too long ago. Those of you who've been with me over the last 10 years probably knows that's where I live on Sundays. It's a blessing from the Lord. <laughs> we were in Provino's and I walk into the room and Slavic Radchuk stands up and he goes, I need everyone's attention. This is Pastor Joey Grizzle of the Buford Church of God. You're all very welcome. These three young men are from Ukraine. It's their first time in America, and they're professional singers. Does anybody want to hear them sing? All right, we're going to sing some gospel songs now. If you men will stand up, we want to invite you all to church. God bless you. And then they start singing gospel songs, and he takes over the whole restaurant. What happened? Because when the Spirit of God is on you, you don't have to have words. It's the Spirit that does the conversation. You have a superpower called the manifest presence of the Holy Ghost. When I wake up, the Holy Ghost is already waiting on me. The devil has to set his alarm clock with mine. Somebody talk to me. I'm not alone in this. We're we're baptized in the Spirit. We're bathed in fire. We, We believe in walking on water and moving mountains by faith. We still believe in casting out devils and laying hands on the sick. We still believe. Oh, man. I have already wrecked my dignity, so I might as well just start swinging from the rafters here. But I believe with all of my heart that God has placed his spirit on my ministry. And the Bible says Jesus told his disciples in the book of Matthew, even in the book of Mark and John, he he says the same thing. He says to them, when you go into a house to preach and they're worthy and they receive the word, then you... Bless them because life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can speak blessing into their life. That's the problem with a lot of houses. You're divided. In the words of James, can bitter water and sweet water come from the same well? Then why does cursing and blessing come from the same mouth? But if you go to a house... And they receive your word. You can bless them. If they don't receive it, shake the dust off your feet and a curse falls on that house. And then he goes on in the same chapter to say, if you give just a cup of water to a preacher, then you're rewarded. But I want to bless your life before we leave today. But I want to say to those of you watching me live, to those of you watching me on television, those of you in the church, you don't have to go to hell. God doesn't want to kill you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The anthem of the church is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So I want to lead you in a prayer. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray and maybe you're here today and you don't know how to pray. But if you're not right with God, I want you to say it with me. Jesus, 
I'm a sinner. And I'm sorry. I want to change. But I can't do it on my own. I believe you lived for me. And I believe you died for me. I accept that. Please come into my heart and save my soul. In Jesus' name. If you're online, I want you to text, I prayed the prayer, right there in the chat. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer because I wasn't right with God. But now I'm, I'm right with God. I want you to quietly lift your hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. May you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed when you rise and when you lay down at night. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Turn his countenance towards you and be gracious to you. Make his face shine on you and give you peace. Beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.